This episode of Markets Daily is sponsored by Algorand. It's Wednesday, August 24th, 2022, and this is Markets Daily from Coindesk. I'm Adam B. Levine here again with Adrian Bluss for your daily news roundup. On today's show, we're talking Bitcoin, risky business, the latest headlines, and more. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. Bitcoin is trading down slightly this morning, while crypto markets broadly are mixed. While positive sentiment drove markets for the last month or so, that's all come crashing down as the U.S. central bank emphasizes it's not done yet. Of course, they are still trapped in the quandary we've often described, but in the near term, concerns about monetary policy are back in the driver's seats. And that seems certain to be true at least through Friday, when Fed Chair Jerome Powell is scheduled to speak at the annual Jackson Hole Economic Symposium, where, depending on what traders see in the tea leaves, could push markets higher or lower. Ether, meanwhile, the world's second largest cryptocurrency by market value, was one of the top traded tokens in the green this morning. Ether has significantly outperformed Bitcoin over the past couple of months, with its market share of the total cryptocurrency market rising above 20% briefly seven days ago. Bitcoin share currently sits at 39.8%, while Ether is maintaining a 19.8% share of the total crypto market capitalization. And that means that just the top two tokens hold about 60% of the total crypto market capitalization. Something to keep in mind. But diving a bit deeper into Ethereum, Ether proponents would like all price indicators to flash bullish signals as the protocol's long-pending upgrade, dubbed the Merge, gets close. But futures markets have slipped into backwardation, an abnormal condition in which futures prices are trading below spot prices or current prices, indicating expectations that the cryptocurrency will weaken in the coming months. At press time, one-month Ether futures listed on major exchanges traded at an annualized discount of 8-10%, to 10%, while the three-month futures traded at a discount of around 5%. That's according to data from analytics firm SKU. But there's another potential explanation as well that's at least worth mentioning. As Ethereum migrates to its new consensus mechanism, there's a non-zero chance that the existing technology, which uses a proof-of-work consensus mechanism just like Bitcoin, could continue on alongside the new chain. That would mean that Ether tokens owned when the merge occurs won't just give you the token on the new chain, but let you keep one on the old one as well. And if that chain ends up being valuable, a dubious prospect based on historical comparisons, then owning ETH before the merge really would be more valuable than after the merge. Take all that with a grain of salt, but it's another possible explanation for what we could be seeing in markets. Either way, at least according to some observers, the condition could be short-lived and futures will probably flip back to trading at a premium, a situation known as Contango, after the upgrade. That's the usual market position, which reflects the time value of money. The merge, meanwhile, slated to happen in mid-September, will combine Ethereum's current proof-of-work blockchain with the proof-of-stake beacon chain that went live back in December of 2020. Analysts tell us that that change is likely to reduce the supply of the cryptocurrency, providing an extra boost to the price, at least in theory. Quote, The current state of backwardation reflects the general market view that ETH will fall following the merge, but this could be short-lived, a director of research at Arca said. Continuing, We think Ether's real price appreciation will happen after the merge, driven by increasing ETH locked up, staking and securing the chain. End quote. Among altcoin movers this morning, Cosmos's Atom token was up 3.7%, the Leo token was up by 3.5%, and the native token of the Quant Network was higher by three points as well. And shifting back to the original cryptocurrency, Bitcoin futures at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange, one of the world's biggest derivatives markets, just traded at the largest discount to spot prices or current prices in at least two and a half years after a big market plunge and right before August contracts expire. The firm Arcane Research keeps tabs on the average difference between the CME's front month Bitcoin futures, 
that's the ones expiring soonest, and the current market price for Bitcoin itself for rolling one-month periods. On Monday, data showed that front-month futures were trading at a 3.36% discount. That's a record low in the firm's dataset that goes back to January 1st of 2020, and that surpassed the previous low of minus 2.39% set on July 21st of last year, which was followed by a hefty short squeeze, according to the company. CME futures have traded at a discount over the last two months, but witnessed a short-lived recovery at the start of the month when there was some momentum in the market. Quote, Still, such extreme discounts have not appeared during previous rolling periods, they said, continuing, they might be a symptom of worsening liquidity or general de-risking, as S&P 500 and Nasdaq see a tumultuous start to the week, while the dollar strength index pushes towards new highs, end quote. And zooming out a bit, additional data from Arcane Research shows that the current bear market is tracking the 2018 bear market, the last time we saw some similar action like this. Bitcoin's drawdown this time has so far lasted 286 days, that's between 9 and 10 months, according to the team at Arcane. And the combined crypto market cap is now down some 70% from its all-time high hit in November of last year. In the 2018 bear market, and in 2014 as well, bottoms occurred 12 to 13 months after the bear markets began, with maximum drawdowns of between 84 and 85%, said Arcane, noting that similar timing this time around would mean a bottom forming near the end of the year. Another similarity to 2018, said Arcane, is a prolonged duration of compressed volatility. Back then, Bitcoin saw a 140-day period, with prices trading between six dollars and $7,000, before a final selling climax down towards $3,000. After hitting that low, prices lingered in that area for another 120 days. Quote, Similar tendencies are evident today, noted Arcane, with prices having ranged in the lower $20,000 area for 70 days. Still, the market is a different beast this time around, concluded the company, likely referring to the far more developed and important cryptocurrency markets today versus past cycles. Today's crypto coverage comes courtesy of Coindesk's markets analysts, Lila Ledesma and Ankar Gadbele. Bitcoin is currently trading at $21,411. That's down about three quarters of a point over the last 24 hours, while Ether is trading at $1,644. That's basically flat in the same time period, according to the Coindesk price index. In traditional markets, U.S. stocks are struggling this morning as risk assets across sectors wait for the latest word from the U.S. central bank. Other factors impacting traders this morning are an economic indicator, durable goods orders, which came in lower than expected, and anticipation for more tech companies to report earnings after the bell. Future stat of the S&P 500 traded indecisively and basically flat. The index has lost 2.4% just so far this week. NASDAQ 100 and Dow Jones Industrial Average futures were also little changed, suggesting a somewhat boring day of trading after the opening bell. Overseas, the pan-continental stocks Europe 600 traded basically flat also, adding just one-tenth of one percent, while in London, the FTSE 100 lost four-tenths of a point. Germany's DAX also had little action, down one-tenth of one percent. In Asia, major benchmarks declined, with the Shanghai Composite Index falling 1.9% and Hong Kong's Hang Seng Index down by 1.2%. In Japan, the Nikkei 225 lost half a point. In commodities markets, oil prices climbed for a second day after Saudi Arabia and some of its OPEC plus allies suggested a cut to output, citing high volatility. Prices for Brent crude, an oil benchmark, rose a little bit more than half a point to trade this morning at nearly $101 per barrel. Gold, meanwhile, fell by one-tenth of one percent, currently trading at $1,758 per troy ounce. Today's traditional markets coverage draws from the Wall Street Journal, the FT, and CNN. Stay tuned. After the break, we'll be back with a few quick headlines we're tracking today with links to the full articles in the show notes for this episode as always. Then, after the headlines, we'll take a look at an example of what could go wrong when building your blockchain project on top of other blockchain projects. We'll be right back. 
The Path to Opportunity is powered by Algorand, the world's greenest, most secure and scalable high-performance blockchain. Upgrade to lightning-fast transaction speeds of less than four and a half seconds with instant transaction finality and no traffic congestion. All with billions of other users who trust the world's most advanced cryptography to protect their data and privacy. Plus, no forks gives you peace of mind, knowing your data is guaranteed to remain on the Algorand blockchain forever. Experience speed without sacrifice and join us in shaping the future. Learn more at algorand.foundation. Turning to big picture news, investors are bracing for the Federal Reserve to double down on its commitment to crushing inflation and expect its chair, Jerome Powell, at the annual central bank gathering in Wyoming this week to deliver an aggressive tightening message and dash hopes for a rate cut next year. Quote, if Powell says something hawkish and if you buy equities or emerging market currencies, you'll lose 3% before you can blink your eye. So nobody is buying risk right now in the run up to Jackson Hole, said the head of global G10 FX research and North American macro strategy at Standard Chartered Bank in New York, Bloomberg reports. But here's a kicker from Zero Hedge, quote, Economist John Taylor came up with a formula that links the Federal Reserve's benchmark interest rate to levels of inflation and economic growth. Based on that rate, known as the Taylor Rule, the Fed funds rate needs to be 9.69%, assuming 2% real neutral rates. Given the history of the model, it's difficult to fathom how exactly the Federal Reserve is going to tame inflation over the long term, end quote. But really, who is John Taylor and why would the Federal Reserve care about his rule? Quoting from his Wikipedia page, quote, Taylor's research, including the staggered contract model, the Taylor rule, and the construction of policy trade-off, or the Taylor curve, employing empirical rational expectations model, has had a major impact on economic theory and policy. Former Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke has said that Taylor's, quote, influence on monetary theory and policy has been profound. And former Federal Reserve Chair Janet Yellen has noted that Taylor's work, quote, has affected the way policymakers and economists analyze the economy and approach monetary policy, end quote. So, although expectations are that the Fed will be extra tough, insofar as it needs to keep traders convinced it won't return to pumping new money indirectly into markets, there's not much realistic hope that we'll see an end to high and potentially increasing rates of inflation. Links to the additional sources in the show notes as well. Meanwhile, the euro is languishing below parity with the dollar after its latest sell-off, and there's little hope that even a hefty hike in interest rates would rescue it. Rather than monetary policy, it's actually the interlinked threats of recession and decreased consumption of Russian energy that are weighing down the common currency, according to analysts. Despite traders now bracing for one percentage point worth of rate hikes by October, these dynamics are hard for the European Central Bank to counter, even if it deploys the kind of outsized moves in borrowing costs enacted recently by the Federal Reserve. Quote, rates haven't been in the driver's seat in FX markets, particularly in the past month. It's really about global growth dynamics, said the head of global FX strategy at J.P. Morgan Private Bank, continuing, big rate hikes aren't currency supportive when they're being done to keep inflation expectations anchored and hurting the growth outlook at the same time, end quote. Reuters reports on that one. In international news, Latin American crypto company Ripio has started rolling out a prepaid debit card in Brazil that allows payments to be made in cryptocurrency and earns cashback rewards in Bitcoin, the CEO of the company told Coindesk last week. The plan is to release about a quarter million of the cards, which were developed in partnership with Visa by the end of the year, offering the product to the one million users it currently has in the South American country, the company said, adding that the digital version of the card is already available. Coindesk's Andres Angler has more. Turning to industry news, the liquidators of Three Arrow Capital, the troubled then collapsed hedge fund that sparked contagion in the crypto space that we've told you about before, 
secured a crucial court decision in Singapore, which will give them the ability to probe the local assets of the defunct crypto hedge fund, Bloomberg reported, citing people familiar with the matter. The Singapore High Court granted the request of Three Arrow Capital's appointed liquidator, known as Tenio, on Monday. This means that the court now legally recognizes the liquidation order originally filed in the British Virgin Islands. Recognition in Singapore gives Tenio the freedom to request all financial records held locally. This includes bank accounts, cryptocurrencies, stakes in companies and properties, the report said. Back in July, 3AC co-founder Su Zhu was reportedly looking to sell one of his homes in Singapore, valued at about $35 million. Coindesk's Oliver Knight reports. And finally, the U.S. Department of Justice has charged three members of a Miami crew in a cryptocurrency-related scheme that allegedly netted more than $4 million. Authorities arrested the group, alleging that they used stolen identities to purchase millions of dollars worth of cryptocurrencies on a cryptocurrency exchange in the year 2020. The purchases were funded with bank transfers, and after buying the crypto, the men disputed the transactions with the bank, tricking them into reversing the transfers and redepositing the money into accounts controlled by the alleged crime ring. The arrests come as pressure from lawmakers intensifies for a crackdown on bad actors in the cryptocurrency space. In March, President Joe Biden signed an executive order calling upon government agencies to make greater overtours in combating illicit activities occurring throughout the crypto industry and to shut down scams. Coindesk's Elizabeth Napolitano has more on the show notes. And in crypto culture news, here's Adrian Blost. Thank you, Adam. What's good, everybody? Bitcoin kiosk company CoinMe on Wednesday said it sells ETH, Matic, Link, Doge, LTC, or Litecoin, and XLM from its 10,000 grocery store kiosks. CoinMe's integration of the six additional cryptocurrencies offers users greater freedom to interact with different tokens beyond Bitcoin, CEO Neil Burkquest said. Where some users may purchase ETH to buy an NFT, they can also use XLM to send across borders, its primary use case, all at one supermarket kiosk. Coindesk's Cam Thompson reports on that. And shifting over to how people just generally perceive crypto, more than half of the parents who participated in a poll said their children should, quote, learn about the future of our economy, end quote, by studying blockchain and cryptocurrencies in U.S. schools. In particular, 884 American parents and 210 American college graduates showed that 64% and 67% respectively are in agreement that cryptocurrencies should be part of a required education. The survey conducted by the online educational platform Study.com revealed. It's certainly worth noting though, before being permitted to participate in the poll, parents and college graduates were checked to ensure that they had a sufficient grasp on cryptocurrency, blockchain technology, non-fungible tokens or NFTs, and the metaverse. Those without this knowledge were excluded from the participation, so there might be some skew there. But among those findings, they also found that parents and college graduates who have already invested in cryptocurrency are more inclined to make financial contributions to their children's education. Altogether, these results align with a growing interest in cryptocurrencies in the United States. According to the Pew Research Center, 16% of Americans have invested in or traded cryptocurrencies, while around 88% of people in the United States have at least heard of crypto. The Finbold reports. Thanks for that, Adrian. Today's featured story is an opinion piece from George Kaloudis, a research analyst at Coindesk. This piece is entitled, In Crypto, Base Layer Security Isn't Enough. Early last week, a new type of stablecoin known as AUSD, built on a platform called Akala, which itself was built on a blockchain called Polkadot, fell from its $1 peg to under a penny, which rounds to zero as far as I'm concerned. That sudden, sharp drop in value followed an attack on one of the platform's liquidity pools. If the words following attack on seem to be oddly specific, that's because they are. Akala wasn't attacked, hacked, or thwarted directly. 
Rather, the IBTC to AUSD liquidity pool, something built on top of Akala, was attacked, hacked, and thwarted directly. The exploit was successful and allowed bad actors to create billions of AUSD for themselves. This influx of new, supposedly dollar-pegged tokens crushed the price of the stablecoin strictly through immense supply dilution. The stablecoin has since recovered, but only after its community voted to destroy the billions of the improperly minted token. Never mind that the minted AUSD wasn't really improperly minted, and never mind that the need for a centralizing force to come in and fix this mistake. Let's instead look at how cryptocurrency protocols are only as secure as what's built on top of them. AUSD isn't the first crypto thing that's been broken or hacked. Longtime listeners will remember the Ronin $625 million compromise and the Wormhole $326 million compromise. This attack is just the flavor of the week. But we should be clear here. AUSD didn't necessarily stop working, and the attackers didn't rappel into a building to physically break into a mainframe or something. Instead, AUSD worked as designed. Buggy code governed the liquidity pool, and that buggy code allowed attackers to print billions of the token. This is basically the same thing that happened in the other two examples I just mentioned, with each Coindesk article accurately using the term exploit to describe the attacks. And we should do the same here, because exploit, rather than hack, more accurately defines taking advantage of poorly constructed code. Exploits, of course, aren't limited to protocols that you've never heard of. Akala is built on Polkadot, for instance. And sure, Polkadot's native currency is the 11th most valuable currency, but it's not like Polkadot is Ethereum. Except Ethereum did have an exploit back in 2016, these days known as the DAO attack, which led to a messy chain split, the Ethereum classic blockchain, and something of a loss of credibility for the project, at least at the time. This is good ammo for the boomer Bitcoin developers who are hell-bent on changing absolutely nothing about Bitcoin, because they're afraid that would break the protocol. I'm not coming here in defense of halting new developments on Bitcoin or other cryptocurrency protocols, but rather I simply want to provide some color as a warning given how easy it is to draw a parallel from Silicon Valley tech companies and crypto. The ethos of Silicon Valley is, or at least was, to move fast and break things. But the stakes are simply higher for crypto. If a developer at Salesforce introduces a bug that hurts a customer's experience, patching that bug really comes only at the expense of time to fix the mistake, and perhaps a reputational hit, but a company can get through a few mistakes a year without any issue. But that's not true in crypto. If a bug is introduced to a crypto protocol through a shiny new product or layer or smart contract or whatever and is eventually exploited, the damage could spread far and wide, and it could be irreversible. Things should be built on crypto protocols, and the protocols themselves should be upgraded, but that should be done with care. All of that said, the main point is, it's fine to move fast and break things, unless you don't want to break everything. Hey listeners, thank you for listening. On behalf of Markets Daily, you're invited to Coindesk's new event, the Investing in Digital Enterprises and Assets Summit, or IDEAS for short. This event facilitates capital flow and market growth by connecting the digital economy with traditional finance. Join us on October 18th and 19th for a 360-degree investment experience where you can source, invest, and secure your next big deal in digital assets in one place. Use code MARKETS20, that's all one word and with the number 20, for 20% off a general pass. Register today at coindesk.com ideas.